1: Abraham Lincoln
2: Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
3: After trying for several years, the New York City Commission voted to remove a statue of Thomas Jefferson from City Hall. They were finally able to remove it by telling the statue there was a hot black lady outside. (laughs)
0: think of that joke what do you think of that joke i mean he did it's it's proven through dna he did have a relationship with sally hemmings and had kids and all that sort of stuff so yeah you know, not something that's enjoyable to talk about but it's it's true uh welcome to the program the headline for me jack armstrong is i've had the COVID now and i didn't even know it i'm pretty sure i had it i never got a positive test but both my kids and mom all got the COVID and they got positive tests and I was sick before them. So I think a week and a half ago, if you were listening to the show at the end of the show on Friday before last, I wasn't feeling good and I ended up really not feeling good the rest of the day, but I just thought it was allergies been bothering me or a cold or whatever. Didn't think really much of it. Uh, Then my kids got sick and got them tested because you have to get tested to get back into school. And yep, they had the COVID And mom got the COVID, so uh, I I believe now the COVID hit our family. And what I'm thinking is my current feeling now on COVID, especially with the Delta, the way it spreads, I think everybody is going to get this. Um, I'm uh, vaccinated, so I didn't get it real bad. Uh, My kids, obviously not vaccinated because those aren't approved yet. And they got fairly sick. I mean, they were fairly sick for several days, both on the other side of it now. But I think everybody's going to get it. I think that's just the way it's going to work. It's just a matter of time. And maybe it's a good thing to get it and get it over with. I feel pretty invincible now. Got the vaccine and the antibodies. I think I'm in pretty good shape. Anyway, you see, here's something. You know, we played that Dave Chappelle clip where he said he felt dirty. I kind of felt that way, too. It's like, it's kind of a weird, um, I feel like I've been violated feeling. Like, when did I get it? Who gave it to me? Ew, it's kind of gross. I Did I get it at work? I'm kind of thinking the only place I was... I mean, yeah, I could have gotten it anywhere, obviously. But I'm wondering if it was the Giants-Dodgers game around all those people and the parking garage and, uh, you know, when, when you're walking through the tunnels at a big sports stadium that's kind of indoors and, I mean, everybody's jammed together and breathing each other's air. I wonder if that's where I got it. Probably is. Give it to the whole family. But now my kids, they're inoculated more or less against the COVID. So I'm happy about that. Um, I'm going to use that as an argument for not getting them the vaccine in the near future. Wanted to touch on this. Bill Maher on Friday night talking a little bit about how a lot of the country seems to be kind of rooting for a civil war. Like that would be a uh, kind of a fun thing. Yeah, I I agree with him. That wouldn't be. Here's Bill Maher from his HBO program on Friday night.
4: There's a moment in my stand-up act these days where I ask the audience rhetorically... What should happen to all of the people who enabled Trump when he was in office? And about half the time, someone shouts out, kill them or hang them. You know, besides the fact that wishing people dead is a terrible place for your mind to be, if you're wishing them dead, you can be sure they're wishing you dead. You want a real war, liberals? Really? You think you're going to win the I want you dead war? You're not. You're going to lose. They have way more guns and they know how to use them. And with all due respect, no one can do hate like a right-wing conservative. This past Saturday, I was in the great city of Pittsburgh, PA, and the man who drove me in from the airport was from Bosnia. He was there in Sarajevo in 1984 when they had the Olympics. And he left sometime after that city became a war-torn hellscape. And he said to me, What I am seeing happening here now is exactly what I saw in Bosnia. Next-door neighbors who despise each other. He was telling me that hate on this level can only be sustained for so long before becoming actual war.
0: I thought that was damned interesting. Now, you, like me, probably didn't like the joke in there. Nobody does hate like right wing conservatives. That's such a BS line, given the fact that he sets up. I don't know if we had it in this clip or not, but he sets up his whole story about how mean spirited Twitter is and how evil people are on Twitter. Yet those are those blue check marks are almost all lefties. Lefties do hate pretty well. All right. Uh, but he is right about right wingers having the guns and knowing how to use them. But the overall point that that's the direction, direction we're headed him talking to the Bosnian cabby who said this is what it was like before our country went into full on civil war, headed toward this. You know, we all know it. We all feel it. We've talked about the statistics for years now. It wasn't very long ago. If your daughter was getting married, you wouldn't even think. Think about what the politics of the boy she was marrying were. It just wouldn't come up. And now you have pollsters asking people, would you allow your daughter to marry a conservative? Or would you allow your daughter to marry a liberal? And, and uh, the giant majorities of people saying absolutely not. So, I mean, we're obviously in a different place than we've ever been before. And I like to think that most of it is rhetorical. I mean, it's just we're shooting our mouths off. We don't actually feel that way. Um, But we're clustering more and more around people we agree with. We're taking in information from sources that convince us that our side is always right and the other side is always evil, and both sides are doing that. And, yeah, I, I I'll take the word of a guy like Mars' Bosnian cab driver, I'll take the word of a guy who's lived through it, that this is what it felt like in his home country as they headed toward a civil war. And that's pretty freaking scary. And you can imagine the dominoes that would fall that would lead you there. Um, it wouldn't take very many shootings, abductings, whatever, violence. And then, oh my God, I hadn't even thought about this. Then the exaggeration of what actually happened flying around the, the social media on Facebook or Internet. Say, Pick a town. Say, say, say in Omaha. Um, The story breaks that some progressives and some right-wingers get into it. And this is what the progressives did to the right-wingers. This is what the right-wingers did to the progressives. This is the horrible violence that they perpetrated on them. And, you know, it wouldn't even need to be particularly true. As I said, everybody in their own bubble and getting their own side of the story. And then, you know, a slightly larger group decides to get together. Then you have... Um, outbreaks in cities all across America. It would be kind of like the George Floyd thing. George Floyd started in Minneapolis, but then you had riots all over the country. You'd have riots all over the country over some right-wing, left-wing uh, dust-up somewhere, and it could just spiral out of control so fast. that. And I, I don't think most of us realize that when we're kind of uh, you know, casually throwing around the idea of a civil war.
2: Well, as the level of atrocities and actual violence escalated and the exaggerations remained similar, yeah, you're right. There's a
0: multiplier effect, and it would just snowball. Yikes. I don't know if you heard that on Friday night. I mean, but that, that troubled me. That, that, that cab driver saying, yeah, this is what it felt like for us leading up to it. That's just, yeah. We yeah. all think that sort of thing can't happen here.
2: You know, I'm reminded of a, a segment we did ages ago. Some marriage counselor was on and said the one emotion that a marriage can't endure is contempt. And uh, dislike, you can endure. Anger, you can endure. You can endure a hell of a lot of stuff. But if you're contemptuous, think that you, the, the other side or the other person is, is not even worthy of respect as a human, then you're doomed.
0: Well, and imagine how people would retweet retreat to their favorite news sources immediately and that incredibly inaccurate probably version that each side would get to stoke the flames of contempt
2: right well and imagine if you were running say a website or a, a news outlet you're, you're in charge of cnn how many clicks would you get while reporting on the horrific uh, atrocities of the right even as yeah. they weren't they're were just mutual combat or whatever
0: and so get back to the matt taibbi stuff that you were talking about last hour and a, the stupid reporting around Chappelle. That's not that important. But that same sort of reporting around dust-ups between liberals and conservatives, that's just completely inaccurate and, and designed to make things worse rather than better. Oh boy, it's almost like the media has been practicing and warming up for a civil
2: hmm. war. Wow, wow. And what's notable, I think, again, back to the Chappelle thing, was that uh, Taibbi quoted CNN. Hollywood Reporter, New York Times, Yahoo News—it was—it was, it was, it was ha- at least half a dozen different news outlets that were engaged in the same thing in the same way.
0: Sane people like Bill Maher are saying, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's tone it down." Lecturing his own crowd when they say, "Kill him, shoot him," you know, he's tra- he's talking to his own crowd. No, no, that's not the right thing to do. That's that's a, a dangerous place for your brain to go. But there aren't many people doing that. There yeah. there are more clicks and more immediate money to be made in in. Stoking fires—it's freaking troubling. Yeah, I'd say.
2: Let's hope it's a uh, a brief temper tantrum. Well, I'll ask you. It'll pass.
0: I'll ask you. Do you think Mar talking about it, me talking about it, is overblown or perfectly reasonable fear? No, at the point that it's clearly, undeniably
2: not overblown, it's too late. Good point. If you don't attack it while it's still on the offing, it's still a possibility. You're doomed.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. What do you think? Text line 415-295-KFTC. 415-295-KFTC. We have a bunch of other stuff we ought to get to. That whole New York declaring racism a health problem I thought was interesting, given crime uh, and shootings all over the place. Um, ought to touch on, again, the Fauci... Well, not only the Fauci lying about the origin of COVID, but the Fauci puppy experiments. Have you seen this story? This is being reported by The Hill, which is a real news publication.
2: It's tough to take, man. Brace yourselves. It
0: really is. Anyway, a bunch of stuff on the way. Stay here.
2: (laughs) The Armstrong and Getty
0: Show. A Columbia law professor on the history of public schools and why they aren't. Public schools are not going to stop being a point of conflict anytime soon. It's really interesting stuff. We got that whole governor election in uh, Virginia coming up. Is that next Tuesday? I think so. Um. And uh, that has started to narrow down to the school issue being a pretty big part of it. And it'll be interesting to see how that play out plays out. Anyway, this story is not going away. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I was
2: interested. Last time we talked to Tim Sandover, he was talking about how the public school system began as a project of the progressives in the early 20th century who wanted to indoctrinate the kids. And the quote was, we want to make them as different from the parents as possible. So, you know, who it has its history in this sort of
0: thing. That's a troubling statement right there. So, anyway, we'll talk more about that coming up. As long as you're not shot by Alec Baldwin in the meantime, you'll be uh, you'll be around. Yeah, we have an uh,
2: Alec Baldwin update in a moment or two. I wanted to tell you uh, I had a bit of an experience this morning. I'm walking Baxter in the rain. Judy wasn't around, so I did his early morning walk. And it's pouring rain, so I just throw on the pants. My like They're like Eddie Bauer pants. They're light. They're stretchy. They're water-resistant. I think they call them guide pants. I don't guide anything, but I like the pants.
0: Guide and- pants. That's a term?
2: Yeah, exactly. So, like, like I'm some intrepid mountain hike guide. You know, that's the way. That's the way they sell them. So, anyway, so I throw those (laughs) on a jacket, a hat. I go out there with Baxter. It's dark. I gotta see his poo. Right. That's the whole point. So I I got my phone in one pocket. I put a flashlight in the other pocket. I got my roll of poo bags, and and I go out and 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 he serves for
0: him, not you.
2: No, (laughs) I can generally hold it when we get back. But, you know, it occurs to me, if I ever do need it, there they are. Right. So anyway, I've got to tell you this. You probably don't want to hear it, but i got to tell you this. My dog, to, to poo in the morning is two to three separate efforts. He will poo. He will walk along for three, four, five minutes. Then he will poo more. Sometimes there's the super bonus third poo, which results in a two-bagger. Because the first poo, I use the bag like oh, a glove. Geez. And generally generally, I can get that second poo in, my hands are just big enough, then I flip the bag inside out, tie it up, and we're good. Unless he unleashes that super bonus... Third poo, and do then I, I gotta break out the bag. I
0: hear this. Hey, Alec Baldwin, shoot me. It's
2: <laughs> it's very important that you understand the logistics of the bag. And so uh, this morning he does poo number one, and again it's pouring rain, and and I'm walking along, and since I got a phone, and I I managed to get the phone into my same hand as the leash, and I'm shining at the poo, I'm scooping the poo, <laughs> and then I then I realize, okay, number one, how do I get the flashlight back in my pocket? Because I got a bag of poo, like in my hand, Ew. but but still in my hand. And so I finally tucked that under my arm. But then I realized, then I put the, the flashlight back in my pants. Then I realized I don't have a belt on, so my pants are starting to sag bad. I mean, they're comfortable pants, but I really need a belt. And so they're getting lower and lower, and I'm trying to figure out how to hitch him <laughs> up because I got poo in one hand. I got like three other things in my right hand, and I realized, and I'm an absent-minded guy, it would be me to just reach over with my handful of poo hand and try right. to hike up my pants. And so I'm walking <laughs> around like a fat, middle-aged white guy walking through uh, South Central L.A., auditioning to be a gangbanger. I got my pants halfway down around my ass, trying to figure out how, how do I juggle all this stuff. And then, then of course, he, he, he squats and, and goes for round two. And, uh, yeah, I managed uh, to hide in my face, leash under my arm, poo bag in my left hand, my right hand, right there, and I finally got it done without smearing myself with poo, although my, my, my drawers were wet because my pants had sagged so
0: Congratulations. Badly. I yeah. like how so much of uh, clothing is designed for climbing Mount Kilimanjaro and we all wear it to go to Costco. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, the things I could do in these pants if I chose to. As it turns out, I choose to lay around suburbia most of the time. So the chief electrician, that's the gaffer if you're in the movie business. Uh, on the set of the rust, the movie that Alex Baldwin, Alec Baldwin you know we've played that Alex, Alex Baldwin. Baldwin. I can't remember what the guy's actual name is. Alec Baldwin. Um, he's publicly blaming the film's armorer and producers for negligence. The armorer is the person who deals with guns and weapons and explosives. I'm still
0: surprised you need that at all. I would think
2: you would
3: just
0: have a looks like a real gun, but it's a toy gun. So you don't need an expert of any kind.
2: Yeah, he was standing shoulder to shoulder with the poor young woman who was fatally struck. I was holding her in my arms while she was dying. Her blood was on my hands. Well, you'd never get over that. Though he did not name 24-year-old Rust Armorer Hannah Gutierrez-Reed by name, he made it clear that he felt she had much of the responsibility. Quote, I'm sure that we had the professionals in every department but one, the department that was responsible for the weapons. There is no way a 24-year-old woman can be a professional with armory. There is no way that her more or less same aged from school, friend from school, neighborhood, Instagram, or God knows where else can be a professional in this field. It was just the second feature. She's worked as lead armor, meaning she was in charge of overseeing gun safety and usage on set. I don't know the reference to a similarly aged friend. Maybe she, she had an assistant, but it was a horrific, inexplicable mistake. A live round in a gun that was supposed to have nothing but blanks.
0: Is anybody in the movie business that can explain why you still need to have guns that shoot anything at all? Don't you can just put the sound effects in later and have a fake gun? I don't know. Yeah, get it. you can be
2: anonymous. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Or you can text us 415-295-KFTC.
0: Columbia Law Professor on why the controversy over schools is not going away anytime soon.
1: Armstrong and Getty. tika.com.
2: The Armstrong and
1: Getty Show Jan, I gotta tell you your dynamite in those press briefings with your quips your and your one-liners what do you call those little singers? Uh,
0: facts, though I uh, believe um, the internet calls them socky bumps
1: <laughs> yeah. Love that Lay some of those facts on me.
3: Okay, um, your CNN Tom Hall was watched by no one, and your approval rating is in the dumpster.
0: Oh,
1: I spoke Saki Bob, bomb. <laughs> but hey, things are going to turn around, right?
2: I'm um, bad at lying, so I'm going to leave. <laughs> uh, you, you know, the only part of that joke I couldn't take was the whole Jen Saki so painstakingly honest. What a load of crap.
0: Pretty uh, dour view of the Biden administration from Saturday Night Live, though.
2: Mm-hmm. Agreed.
0: So, The Federalist has an article out today, actually quoting an article from The Wall Street Journal of a Columbia law professor, Philip Hamburger. Uh, Hamburger <laughs> um, uh, Talking about the why public schools are going to continue to be a focal point of controversy. It's not going away anytime soon. I thought the history on this was pretty interesting, and I don't agree with all of it, but we'll read a little bit to you. Again, it's from a Friday Wall Street Journal essay by a Columbia law professor explaining why public schools will remain a fierce culture war battleground until lawmakers make them release their grip on America's kids. The schools remain a means by which some Americans force their beliefs on others. That's why they are still a source of discord that right there. I don't think most people realize that the schools are designed to force a belief on your kids. Mm-hmm. And whoever's in charge of that at the time, it's their beliefs that win the day. The Columbia law professor notes that the steady transference of American K-12 education from private, mostly church-run schools to government agencies was planned to control what the next generation of voters believed going back into the late 1800s and early 1900s. This manifested itself through an effort by white Anglo-Saxon Protestant establishment to convert Catholics by putting their kids in Protestant-ish Public schools. So the idea was we get up, we come up with enough schools, not near as religious, and to the extent that they are religious, they lean Protestant, hoping to get more kids out of the Catholic schools that were dominating the landscape in a lot of cities. That eventually turned into an effort by secularists. That's when the Woodrow Wilson cl- uh, crowd got a hold of everything to convert Christians of all kinds by banning Christianity from public schools. And both succeeded. That's the quote Joe was talking about a little bit ago that Tim Sandifer always brings up is that uh, Woodrow Wilson saying that uh, our schools need to make the kids as, as least like their parents as possible, which is just horrifying. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, they, they were there to indoctrinate. If they learned uh, how to read, write, and do arithmetic, all the better.
0: And it continues in the Democratic Party. You had Terry McAuliffe, one of the guys that's running for governor there, the current governor in Virginia, um, uh, or he has been governor. He's, he, he said a couple of weeks ago, we can't have parents deciding what's taught in our schools. And he's got a huge backlash against that. Good. He's he's claiming in an ad that he was taken out of context, but... <laughs> right. He stated it fairly openly. Uh, the uh, Getting back to the article, the idea that public education is a central government interest was popularized by anti-Catholic nativists. Beginning in the mid-19th century, they elevated the public school as a key American institution in their campaign against Catholicism. As today, the hope was to liberate children from their parents supposedly benighted views. What's benighted mean? I never use that word. Uh, with, with a
2: K, like they're made into nights?
0: N-I-G-H-T. I'm guessing oh. just wrong, antiquated, nighttime, uh. darkness, dark views. Uh,
2: benighted in a state of pitiful or contemptible intellectual or moral ignorance, typically owing to a lack of opportunity. So I'll
0: use ignorance as today. The hope was to liberate children from their parents, supposedly ignorant views and thereby create a different sort of polity. That was the point of public schools then and now. Now, as then, I'm back to the Columbia professor. Now, as then, this sort of project reeks of prejudice and indoctrination. There's no lawful government interest in displacing the educational speech of parents who don't hold government approved views, let alone in altering the children's identity or creating a government approved electorate. How did we, how were we so blind to this for so long?
2: Well, I think, I think 98 Point seven percent of people still are blind to it. They still think of of government schools as an almost entirely pure-hearted exercise in education, as opposed to what they really are, which is an indoctrination with an education.
0: I got to admit, I spent my uh, years in school thinking it was just, you know, it's just an effort to teach kids how to read and write. There's no politics behind this at all. And up until a couple of years ago, I felt that way for my son in public school. Um, that went away pretty fast as they get further along in the grades. Well,
2: I think when we were in school, the primary indoctrination was uh, patriotism. It was uh, you know, education in the uh, myths of the American story. And myths are not necessarily inaccurate. It's, it's a subtle difference. But the, the stories that bring us all together as a country... Um, there was absolutely a, a good, heavy dose of that. That just happens to be a set of ideas virtually everybody agrees with.
0: Uh, I'll read a little more from this because I think it's really interesting. Um, but first, we ought to tell you about Car Shield. Car Shield is a great idea to just have peace of mind when you're not driving your car. If I'm going to have any problems, I know I'm taken care of.
2: Yep. You know, you get to, you have to get a car repair. It's a lose lose. You lose your money and your time. But if you call Car Shield, the administrators handle the paperwork and expensive payments, so you don't have to. It's a win win instead of a lose lose.
0: Yeah, when you've got Car Shield protection, you're not worried about expensive repairs repairs that might cost thousands of dollars. You get to choose the mechanic to do the work. Car Shield's administrators take care of all the rest. It's like they have got their own person. It's like you've got your own personal team of auto repair problem solvers dealing with any problem you might have.
2: And plans from CarShield can even provide roadside assistance, rental coverage, and trip reimbursement. Get coverage today. See why CarShield cars go further. Visit CarShield.com slash Armstrong to save 10%. That's CarShield.com slash Armstrong. A deductible may apply whether your car has 5,000 miles or 150,000 miles. Go to CarShield.com slash Armstrong.
0: So a little back to this. So the Federalist was quoting this Columbia law professor about schools. He wrote in the Wall Street Journal about how schools are there to alter a child's identity and create a government-approved electorate. Always has been, always will be. And we are just discussing how I had to wake up to that. I didn't know that that's what public schools were. Um, but it's that way now. Now back to this is the Federalist saying this. Today, public schools don't merely shift children from one denomination of Christianity to another but outright replace Christianity with the secular religion most visibly as identity politics as a former US Attorney General Bill Barr detailed in June when he said the greatest threat to religious liberty in America today is the public schools. This is backed up by numerous studies a 2020 scholarly review of research on this topic concluded that especially increasingly secularized government control of education can account for virtually the entire increase and secularization around the developed world, that's really interesting. Hmm. Now, I know a lot of you, uh, Tim Sandifer would agree with this as an atheist, are you know pro um, uh, a more secularized society. But that's it's kind of interesting that it's coming from the public school, which is supposed to be kind of um, uh, well not not leaning any direction. I I just want the public school to teach how to read and write and you know code computers, whatever that means, or whatever you need to do to get an <laughs> education.
2: Right, right. Well, it's it's become undeniable, though, to the point that I don't think people are finally waking up. It is an indoctrination factory. In fact, you know, and, and the unions are fully invested in this idea. They're saying every class should be an indoctrination class. There should be woke math, obviously woke social studies. English has got to be woke,
0: right? Every damn class has got to be woke. You know, this has just occurred to me. You know what one of their indoctrinations is? Clearly. Um, in addition to you know secularization, wokeism, all that sort of stuff, at least for the last many years, it's been, you got to go to college. It, it, that's the only thing you can do is go to college. This is what people do. You go to college. We're preparing you to go to college. You go to college. So you got the government indoctrinating kids into the idea that you have to go to college while being involved in this whole student loan thing that is raising the prices of everything, and it just all feeds on each other.
2: Well, I tell you what, if my primary mission were indoctrination, I would absolutely insist that all the kids need to go to college. Because that's when it really, really kicks in. Because their brains are developed enough that they can take in the twisted mumbo-jumbo rationalizations of the woke philosophy, social justice warrior garbage, and and really get indoctrinated hardcore.
0: I'm pro-college, but not for everybody. And you got to at least question the government's motives for being pro-college when they've got this giant student loan thing they've got going on and all the schools that are profiting so mightily from the whole thing. Right, right. Well, and I'm pro-college.
2: You know, I'm I'm pro a lot of things. I'm pro going to baseball games, but if every time I go to the baseball game I get the hell beat out of me, I'm not going to be as pro-baseball game anymore. And if I send my kids to
0: college at great expense and they're turned into Marxists, well, then no, I'm not exactly pro-college anymore. They don't come out any smarter... But they have a horrible view of American capitalism.
2: Right. Exactly. And that's it costs
0: brill- $100,000.
2: <laughs> right. And, and now they're up to their necks in debt, and it'll affect their entire lives. That's a pretty concise description of a
0: lot of college experiences these days. And when you, My kids aren't old enough, but wouldn't you say in public high school there's a pretty strong emphasis on, oh, clearly college is the path? Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
2: Um, and it, I, I feel like that's starting to recede a bit, but it's still pretty strong.
0: Hmm interesting stuff yeah our text line is 415-295-KFTC so if you haven't heard uh I had the COVID I'm now calling it the Fauci the Fauci China flu or I gotta throw communist fever I like throwing in China communists because they play a major role in it but Fauci needs to be in there somewhere how about general Fauci's hot and sour flu I'm still working on it. Do I have to say that every time I refer to it? I don't know. I'm still working but on But Fauci deserves to be in the name somewhere. Yes, indeed. And we'll explain why next.
1: Armstrong.
2: Still Dr. Fauci should be fired Absolutely. by the president. Absolutely. The thing is, is just for lack of judgment, if nothing else, I, you know, he's probably never going to admit that he lied. He's going to continue to dissemble and try to work around the truth and massage the truth. There's the Randy man, Rand Paul, talking to Axios, saying Dr. Fauci ought to be fired. Here's what he's talking about. Um, and this has to do with Vanity Fair doing some pretty good and fair, for once, reporting on this thing. Uh, The disclosures in the last four months since Vanity Fair was first to detail how conflicts of interest resulting from U.S. government funding of controversial virology research hampered the investigation into COVID's origins present an increasingly disturbing picture. That's from lefty Vanity Fair. Could it be, Jack, we're moving beyond the pro-Trump, anti-Trump, you know, black and white days? God, I hope so. Yeah, me too. Early last month, The Intercept published more than 900 pages of documents it obtained through the Freedom of Information Act lawsuit against the National Institutes of Health, the NIH, relating to EcoHealth Alliance's grant research. Remember, those are the folks tied up with Peter Daszak, the infamous one. But there was one document missing. It was a fifth and final progress report that EcoHealth Alliance had been required to submit at the end of its grant period in 2019. Now, in its letter Wednesday, NIH included that missing progress report, which was dated August of this year. The report described a, quote-unquote, limited experiment. As I said earlier, as opposed to an unlimited experiment? I mean, what does that even mean? You grab people off the streets and jab them full of virus? or What's an unlimited experiment exactly? Um, it described a limited experiment, as the NIH later phrased it, in which an, uh, in which laboratory mice infected with an altered virus became sicker than those infected with a naturally occurring one.
0: You know what limited experiment sounds like to me? We huh. ha- it sounds like we had an early dinner. Yes. It's like a weird detail that you would only throw in if you're trying to cover up something you can't cover up. We just had an early dinner. Just clouding water. It was a limited experiment. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> right, right. The letter did
2: not mention the phrase gain-of-function research that has become so central to the bitter clashes over COVID-19's origins. That type of controversial research, the manipulation of pathogens to make them more infectious, and then figured out how to cure them or whatever, it's divided the virology community. A review system established in 2017 requires federal agencies to particularly scrutinize any research proposals that involve enhancing a pathogen's infectiousness. Okay, Dr. Fauci's spokesperson told Vanity Fair that EcoHealth Alliance's research did not fall under that framework, since the experiments being funded were, quote, not reasonably expected to increase transmissibility or virulence in humans. They just happened to manipulate viruses, and all of a sudden, the mice got crazy, crazy sick. But Alina Chan, a Boston-based scientist and co-author of a book about this very topic, said the NIH was in a very challenging position. They funded research internationally to help study novel pathogens and prevent against them. But they had no way to know what viruses had been collected, what experiments had been conducted, and what accidents may have occurred. So now might be, oh, you know, one more thing. That the very grant that we're talking about, which was a fourteen million dollar grant proposal that EcoHealth Alliance and Peter Zadzak had submitted to DARPA, it proposed partnering with the Wuhan Institute of Virology and constructing SARS-related bat coronaviruses into which they would insert human-specific cleavage sites as a way to evaluate growth potential of the pathogens. I know that's a bunch of mumbo-jumbo that you're not familiar with, but perhaps not surprisingly, DARPA rejected the proposal, um, assessing it failed to fully address the risks well, one distinctive segment of SARS-CoV-2's genetic code is a furin cleavage site that makes Cheat. the virus more, no, different sort of cleavage, <laughs> makes the virus more infectious by allowing it to efficiently enter human cells. That is exactly the feature EcoHealth Alliance and the Wuhan Institute had proposed to engineer in that 2018 grant proposal to DARPA and as this uh, uh Jamie Metzel who's a former executive vice president of the Asia Society sits on the WHO's advisory committee he said if i had played uh, if i applied for funding to paint central park purple and was denied then a year later we woke up to find central park painted purple i think i'd be a prime suspect
0: mm-hmm.
2: and indeed that's what happened and glenn greenwald went wild on this he had a fantastic Twitter thread um, and, and one of his main points and one I don't want to leave out is that it is it is horrific it is so incompetent and ideological to be horrific that the corporate media ignored this story and they can't ignore it now the NIH letter admitting eco-health research funded by Fauci made bat coronaviruses more contagious proves Fauci's statements to Congress were false. Uh, The only question if if, if Fauci knew it was false at the time. He also mentions that social media banned even discussion of this question. And he retweets Zaid Jelani, who says, News media who attacked Rand Paul over Fauci questions owe him an apology. Paul was actually using his time to try and get crucial information as opposed to grandstanding.
0: So is Fauci knowing that we fund experiments that could be doing this stuff. They don't ex- they're not they not explicitly being told to do this stuff, but they're certainly not being explicitly told not to do this stuff.
2: Right. And, and or I can easily picture you give a grant to some g- series of organizations working together with each other. And you say, look, you got a complicated budget sheet, right? Those 17 items use our money. Item 18, the gain of function stuff. Wink, nod. Don't use our money for that. Under our framework, you can't use it. Then pick up with 19 through 25. That's fine. Use our money for that. And so it's it's a it's a phony legalistic ability to deny that you applied funding to point 18, which in my little scenario here is gain of function research.
0: I always compare Fauci to James Comey because I think it's the same sort of disease. It's the look. I'm smart enough to handle this information. Most people aren't. I can be trusted to do these sorts of things. I can be trusted to spy on people. I can be trusted to do this research into gain of function stuff. Other people can't. Other people aren't even smart enough to understand what's going on here.
2: I'm so smart and noble, I can be trusted to lie to the American people when it's for their own
0: good. Right, exactly. Just in the same way that he admitted that he told little white lies about uh, herd immunity. People weren't ready for that information. He doesn't think the the world is ready for gain-of-function research. He knows as a super genius that he is that it's important for the world. But Hail Fauci! Hail Fauci!
2: You know, I think you nailed it. I think he and Comey are cut from the same cloth.
0: I think there are probably a lot of people in government that are like that, which is scary. That's why the framers of the Constitution designed it the way it is.
2: Go get yourself an Armstrong and Getty Let's Go Brandon t-shirt, armstrongandgetty.com. If you miss a segment of the show, you can always get it via podcast.
1: Armstrong and Getty.
4: At LuckyLandslots.com.
0: Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18
1: plus. Terms and conditions supply.
4: This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos.